Hello and welcome in to another Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking to Manny Onicle. He's the founder of Next Level Media at Twitter, on Twitter at Manny Onicle. I'll link that in the description below. He's a great follow on Twitter, one of my favorites on the platform. Manny, how are you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's certainly been a crazy last few weeks. Lay it out for me. How have the last few weeks played out for you? Um, well, you know, I live in New York City, so things have been a little crazy right now. Obviously, you know, with everything going on. So just try to remain uh, safe and uh, healthy as possible. And, uh, you know, stay in communication with friends and family as best as I can during this time. And uh, hopefully everyone remains uh, safe and uh, healthy as well, you know, and uh, we make it through all good. Awesome. Yeah, it's a scary time in New York right now. I hope you uh, you stay safe and people around you are safe as well. It's worrisome for sure, seeing the numbers coming out of there. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, we haven't even, like, approached the peak yet. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. And, uh, you know, New Yorkers are survivors. So hopefully we just do our part and, uh, you know, listen to what the recommendations are and everyone does their part to, to stay safe, you know? Yep, that's all you can really ask. So as you may have guessed, we're talking about the coronavirus, COVID-19, and all its various impacts, both on sports and on esports. And Manny is an expert on both. And so, Manny, I want to start with what the racing leagues have done. So every single major sporting event basically canceled in the span of a week. And now they're all scrambling, figuring out what the hell do we do in the absence of sports, well, the racing leagues have figured out a pretty decent alternative, all things considered, and that's this sort of combination of what's actually supposed to be happening in in F1, at least. It's real drivers, it's esports players, then it's like these random celebrities, like people from One Direction, and uh, golfers, and keepers from, from Premier League. And so it's a really interesting way, and it's worked out quite well with a lot of viewers. What do you think sports leagues can learn from how the racing leagues have operated? You know, I think it's really unique for the racing leagues, actually. And this is their uh, time to shine. Uh, because, you know, when you're talking about racing, and whether it's Formula One or NASCAR or whatever it may be, it's got a real correlation between virtual racing and gaming and the real-world environment. You know, there's really no other quote-unquote esport that mimics a sport so closely. So it's not like you're going to get uh, NFL football players to play Madden or, you know, athletes from the NBA playing 2K and playing for their team and mimicking that. I don't think that necessarily sells, you know, because it doesn't really go back to the attributes of, like, are you really making an impact with your real-world environment and your physique and what you're used to and i think racing really plays a part of that so i think it's really unique what racing is doing and when you're looking at the numbers coming out right now you know they're, they're very very strong and um i don't i don't really know if other leagues that have shut down can really mimic that um and also you know when you look at racing on tv it's so easy for a, a casual viewer to understand because one they're using a racing fans to begin with and, or two it's you know it's four left turns it's not that difficult and it's like okay whoever comes in first so you know it's very easy to follow so i think those are a couple of reasons why you're seeing racing excel right now 
definitely. It was your tweet, actually, that showed just how popular NASCAR held an event last Sunday, and it was 900,000 viewers, I believe, which is yeah. the most watched esports event on linear television ever. Yeah, that's yeah, that's absolutely correct. So 903,000 viewers, very strong in the 18 to 49 column as well. Um, and as long as I've been tracking esports on TV, which is the last four plus years, um, it's the number one rated show, you know, coming in close to a million viewers. Uh, the second, the, the program that I beat was a Mortal Kombat tournament, Chasing the Cup, back in 2016, which is on the CW. And one thing that people don't understand or don't realize is, you know, talking about the CW, which is, you know, a broadcast, which is in a lot of homes, whereas Fox Sports 1 is a very small sports channel comparatively. So to draw that many viewers and, you know, that fact that Overwatch has been on ABC, ESPN has shown a lot of programming for Fox Sports 1 to come out with these numbers, you know, for a virtual racing event, it's pretty strong. But I think, you know, they did it very smart, which is that uh, they brought in real world drivers to participate in the virtual race. So I think because of that, to participate in the esports tournament was, you know, really intelligent and to combine both of those worlds to get the fan participation they gave you pretty high. Yeah, to give an idea of how much more popular this was, you mentioned the Overwatch League broadcast on ABC. That had five hundred thousand viewers. So a much more accessible channel, a more high profile esport, and a more important event within that esports overall structure had nearly half or a little more than half of the viewers of this NASCAR race on FS1, which is pretty crazy because it just shows a few things. It shows how desperate people are for sports content and it shows how successful this content can actually be on linear television as long as you choose the right model. And I think a big part of that, to your point, is bringing in those drivers from actual NASCAR, that really helps bridge the gap into this esports, this virtual competition in the same sport. And it's something that the other sports leagues, NBA 2K, take, take your pick, 2K League, Madden Championship, whatever, should be looking at more is how do we bring what's already existing in the sports, these existing players, and make them either compete or partially compete in these different events, in these virtual events. Yeah, no, I think what you're going to see is a true expansion of those who've done it well, like racing has done at done to date. So what I was going to say is, you know, started on Fox Sports 1, and now you think you're going to see it expand. You know, I believe they're going to expand it, what my sources are saying, to Fox Sports. And I believe it just got confirmed on Twitter a couple minutes ago, just before we started. So I think once you see this go to the general audience, uh, I think those numbers are going to be pretty significant. I definitely expect them to be pretty high, especially because these, I mean, it's it's in the name. It's Fox Sports. What does Fox Sports do without sports to broadcast it, it leaves people these massive gaps in programming yeah absolutely i mean they're showing i mean look at espn they're showing you know reruns of basically collegiate events from a while ago major sporting events from a while ago but it's reruns like who really want to watch watch that and what is sports center without news and which is one of their flagship icons so um there's a dearth of sports out there and i think what this shows is that if you could show true quality programming whether it's esports whether whatever it may be 
there's going to be an audience for that. And now NASCAR has said that they're going to extend the rest of the season on linear platforms as well. Um, so that's going to be on Fox as well as Fox Sports 1. Um, and then we're going to start seeing some numbers, you know, like because it really translates, you know, to a crossover audience. Um, and you really don't get that hate of, you know, why is there video games on my TV when it's NASCAR? And, you know, even though it's virtual NASCAR, um, you know, people don't really have the vitriol for it um, as they do towards seeing, you know, other video games shown on TBS or ABC or ESPN or whatnot. That's a really good point. The sports simulation games do have an advantage in that where it's like, okay, I guess I see why they're broadcasting Madden or NBA 2K or NASCAR in this instance. Uh, but they also, without sports content, people are a little bit desperate. That vitriol that used to be there where it's like, oh, why are they broadcasting video games? Now they're like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm I'm desperate for more sports content and I'm not getting it. So this is the closest thing we've got. So we're just yeah. going to run with it. I mean, you look at the numbers on Twitch also, right? Twitch and YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, both of their numbers are really, you know, going up you know, during this whole period. Uh, you know, Twitch is seeing, you know, increase, fun increase, you know, week over week when you compare it to year over year in terms of viewership and hours watched. Um, and you look at some of the major tournaments, like the ESL tournament most recently was drawing a ridiculous amount of viewership, and they're breaking ESL numbers for viewership. So, you know, now you have, you know, the world basically staying home. You know, there's a need for content out there. You know, I guess there's only so much, you know, Netflix that you could watch. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a need for content. So, you know, this is coming in to fill this gap. So that's where you're seeing like Twitch and YouTube do such great numbers here in the U.S. And definitely, you know, in China with uh, their platforms, you know, you're seeing some significant growth in numbers as well. Yeah, it's the China's numbers were absolutely bonkers, like throughout February. It's actually lifting a little bit. Quarantines are lifting over there right now. Right. But when they were in the height of this, they were seeing double player bases for a lot of games and server load was just going through the roof. Huya Doyu were getting absurd right. amounts of traffic and the U.S. is trending right towards that. And it's probably going to be quite elongated as well, given that China was able to step in and be pretty uh, authoritarian. We'll just we'll just outright say it uh, about right. how they dealt with that. And so they imposed these very strict quarantines. And the U.S. is going to slowly do that, but is never going to probably quarantine, which means this is going to last a lot longer. And it could lead to increased traffic for a lot longer for a a while now. Yeah, I mean, mean, if you want to talk about one of the quote-unquote, you know, benefits, if you want to call it, of all this is an increase on digital content and traffic to that and gaming as well. You know, Verizon released a study that said that what in terms of their networks, they've seen a zero percent increase in social media, however they've seen a seventy-five percent increase in gaming, you know, which is actually huge for their networks, uh, to take that. And I don't know, someone on Twitter came out the other day, someone, you know, some politician or someone that said, you know, gamers beware and like, you know, please only play during certain times so you don't choke up the network. Uh, you know, gaming and watching gaming is definitely taking up a significant amount of um, network and bandwidth traffic right now so you're, you're gonna start to see you know a lot of i think after all this you know out of everything there's a lot that we don't know in terms of how it's going to affect our lives 
really post everything. So, you know, there's still a lot to come. Yeah, there's you, 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 we just don't know how this is going to affect us uh, going forward. And it should be said, I, I think just to make this very clear, is like the effect this has on esports and gaming is not nearly as important as the health effects and the people doing it. But this is the Esports Network podcast. I just want to make it clear that, you know, like we get it. It's a pandemic. It's a really important health emergency. And that's obviously more important. But here in our little bubble, we're just going to talk about the effects it has on the esports. So I, I don't want to come across as callous as yeah. we ignore, you know, human suffering and people are going to, to die from this. And so just want to make that clear. Like we get that it's way more important than esports, but our world is being affected by this. And you came to the Esports Network podcast. So we assume you want to hear about its effects on esports. Just to put that out there, make sure we're, uh, we're being... Um, conscientious on, of of the on, actual good, issues. Good on you, Mitch. That was definitely definitely agree with that. You know, so in terms of like how coming into our world, right? Like how we're being affected is, you know, everything has been has been recently been shut down. You know, you're talking about forget the you know leagues in Asia, but you know coming over into North America as well. Um, in terms of being shut down, they're either being postponed or they're going online. Um, you know, Call of Duty League. You know, it's no longer having any more of their hope stands anymore. So they're going completely online. Um, LCS and LEC, when I mean, they were broadcasting from uh, players' homes, the casters were home, and that's where we're doing the analyst desk. And it was pretty crazy to see. But, you know, in terms of how it's affecting the esports world is, you know, people say, you know, it's such an opportunity for esports to come into play. And we saw that with... NASCAR and you know I think racing is going to do a good job but you know for other platforms it's going to be really challenging to because just getting play down is challenging just between networks the latency and mm -hmm. you know you're trying to avoid you know cheating so you know it's a whole different ball game when you're doing it online only versus doing it you know in an environment where it's a land sort of environment so uh, I think that makes a whole a whole sort of different challenge. So, you know, esports is facing an uphill battle, but, you know, I think right now, if people are able to pull it off, you know, they'll be able to reap some of the benefits because there's going to be a lot of need for content out there. Yeah, let's let's go into some of the, the drawbacks, some of the major issues facing esports now. Well, I agree. I think there's a huge opportunity for esports. It's important, especially as I've seen a lot of, mainstream publications write about how this is esports chance well esports is gonna have some trouble and you mentioned latency and lag one of the main reasons everyone's moved to LAN tournaments was because we needed them for more competitive environments and i've seen a couple of people talk about how betting and gambling could be a huge opportunity for esports as the sports books suddenly don't have any action well if every game's being played online suddenly you're going to start wagering on the strength of an internet connection and that's dangerous and i don't think something books are going to jump on very quickly yeah no i think that's going to be challenging i mean with you know esports embedding like a lot of people talk about that i think there's a lot more uh a sizzle than steak when it comes to like true revenue in, a, in that space, you know, I've looked into it. I know a lot of companies that operate into that space, and the handle just isn't there when you compare it to 
you know, really just true sports betting right now. And I think, you know, that'll change over time. But, you know, right now with everything going on, I think it's going to be even more hesitation, you know, to bet on something. Because, you know, as things shut down, you know, people haven't been betting, you know, I saw some, I saw, I don't know who I follow on Twitter. It was talking about betting on uh, Belarusian soccer. And I was like, that's pretty crazy. And, but it's understandable. So, you know, until, you know, esports becomes understandable in that sense where you can take your general knowledge of maybe soccer or football and, you know, carry it over to something. Um, I think it's going to be a challenge. But we'll see, we'll see. There's an opportunity there. And, you know, I am bullish on esports betting overall. I think right now it's just it's so small. Um, and the handle is really small overall from the numbers that I've seen. Um, but, you know, there's an opportunity to capitalize that thing going forward. For sure. Esports betting is going to be big eventually, but right now it's like you mentioned, there's a lot of companies. I think Unicorn's probably the biggest one in North America. Uh, yeah. But they're not really seeing that that much action. The handle, as, as you say, which is a betting term for, you know, the, the revenue basically um, coming into the sports books. And it's a little weird right now with everything changing so quickly. I just don't see casinos jumping on it. But at the same time, they're also kind of desperate. They just lost March Madness, which is just the oh, far yeah. and away the most bet event of the year. I mean, the Super Bowl is one game. March Madness is 67. Right. So it, you see a ton of action. It's the highest tourism point to Vegas. And they need something. And esports is like the only game in town. You could do Belarusian soccer. But right. uh, you got to start doing something. And I think League of Legends... But then it's like, does Riot really want to fully embrace this or do they have a say in it at all i don't really know i know I mean, DraftKings has done a little league of legends stuff but right i, I mean know. there's a, there, yeah exactly like DraftKings has gotten to the space and some of the bigger bigger companies especially in europe have come into the space uh but you know i think the point there is that um they're all waiting for that inflection curve for people to come over and do it but you know the thing is that the learning curve is so high like league is a is a difficult game to watch if you don't understand the true mechanics of it and like what's going on, it's almost like watching American football for the first time. And because there's, you know, American football is a pretty difficult game to comprehend versus like international football or soccer. Um, so, you know, I think it's a whole, whole different ball game. So I think because of that, uh, where you could see it is if they start betting on virtual racing, because now that they're going to have a whole season of racing, um, with the drivers racing, you know, that's the closest you're going to get to betting on the real thing. Yeah, it's going to be a big thing. And possibly even if other things move towards it, I could see people betting on simulated games, simulated NBA 2K games, because it takes some of the, abs- I mean, it is absurd, but it's just pure weird gambling. And if more, like I, I know uh, NBC Sports in Washington, D.C. is broadcasting the rest of the Wizards' schedule in simulated 2K games, could totally see people right. start betting on those. Right. That would be, you know, you could, you could totally see that because it's like, it's something that's fun to watch. I know bars are actually, before they close, were showing some of that simulation, uh, some of the random simulation, some of their games. I saw some random video about that. 
but you can see where you know the simulation makes sense because it's just AI playing out the games and you're watching it in real life. So it's something that's fun. I mean, if you look at gambling as entertainment and people are, you know, again, star for entertainment right now, you know, that's a great outlet that you mentioned. Yeah, can we just take stock of how absurd everything is right now? <laughs> Bars airing a simulation of a 2K game or something like that? Before they close, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, that's what happens when, you know, people don't realize how much of sports is intertwined with our economy and just yeah. uh, entertainment and what it provides the general public. So, you know, once you take that away, you know, that's entertainment for a large swath of people uh, in this country. So, you know, I think that, just, you know, they have to do something else and and again with the times you're living in is that you know when you can't go anywhere it makes it even more difficult you know to find something that you know or that you want that's going to mimic what you're missing right now definitely uh one of the other we talk about these issues for esports and you got to feel for Activision Blizzard a little bit. They, you know, I, I don't think they were running the Overwatch and Call of Duty leagues perfectly by any means, but they really went all in on the homestand format and this travel-based schedule. And now they're just shit out of luck. Like, yeah. they went all in on this this year. And I don't know how... Overwatch, I think Call of Duty is fine. It's more of a legacy esport, but Overwatch has got to be in a really weird spot as an esport. How do you think this plays out for the OWL, considering how much they had writing on being able to do these homestand weekends? And they seem like they were having decent success at the at the first few events. Yeah, um, you come to like one of my favorite subjects, you know, and. Uh... I, I, it's something that I've wanted to write about recently is I've looked into how Overwatch has been performing as of late and, you know, their numbers are just down from season three to season two and it, they're not doing great numbers at all in terms of concurrent viewership. So that's where really the bread and butter is, you know, and how you measure if you really want to, you know, success between, you know, player base and those that are watching and the player base has really shrunk as well. Uh, so to your point is it's really really challenging and i don't uh i don't know where overwatch goes from here um and yes they got caught in a tough spot between cdl call of duty league as well as overwatch league with all the cancellations and the travel um but that's something you know that everyone's dealing with and multi-billion dollar sports leagues are dealing with so um that's something you know that's that's really tough right now but I, I really don't know how they survive from this. And let's say even they come back from season four, it's they have a huge hill to climb. And now with some new games coming out, like Riot's new shooter, um, you know they're gonna have some challenges. So you know we'll see what happens. But you know I think uh, as you were saying ominously about what the future portends from that, you know I think it's gonna be really challenging in the uphill climb. Yeah, the, the main problem for them is that they were already in trouble coming into this with like 
the leaving of a bunch of high-profile talent like Monte Cristo, right. uh, moving platforms from Twitch to YouTube, they already had a couple issues coming into the season. And then everything was supposed to be, hey, if the homestand weekend sell out, we got something here. Like we, if we're selling out venues consistently, we're good. And now that's out the window. They're having to scramble to go back to online play, which I believe starts in April. I don't, I don't remember. They laid out a timeline, right? Yeah, they did. They're actually coming back this weekend. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's relatively early, but they're coming back this weekend for Overwatch League. So they did it. Yeah, I think they did it pretty quickly, getting everything back back up to speed. But you know, they made some drastic changes to the overall schedule and just to accommodate everything. So we'll see what happens. You know, I'm very curious to see what their viewership is like during everything and to see if they can take advantage of this time because if viewership doesn't go up during this time. Um, you know, I really don't know what else can be said about it. Yeah, they're 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 screwed. Simply, if if they can't get viewership when everybody is stuck at home, they're screwed. That, that's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah, they're not really gonna. It's it's gonna be tough going forward for them. For sure. Uh, one other front, and it's related to OWL, I suppose, is investment. And OWL got knocked for bringing in just these absurd investment numbers, which put the league in a weird spot to begin with. It wasn't able to grow. It was immediately like, hey, we're one of the biggest esports in the world. And the fans were like, yeah, I guess. Um, and now this is one of the biggest issues for esports is there's a lot of talk right lately about the stock market and it's going into the, it's just going down. It's going down like a rock sure. day after day to the point where Donald Trump went on, line today or went on to a press conference he didn't go online he went to a press conference and said uh that we need to get back to work because the stock market's in the tank and while it is in the tank that's ridiculous and no um come on no we can't we can't do that but for esports esports is still a startup industry it still relies on investment capital um very few if any esports organizations are legitimately profitable and so that's a dangerous point for esports because it relies, and this expansion of teams, this, this expansion of player salaries, all sort of relies on money continuing to come in from outside investors. And that could dry up a little bit. How much of a problem do you think this is facing esports and just the stock market being down and being a speculative industry in a bad economic period? Yeah, that's a very, very good point. I mean, I would say one, I mean, on a good note, it was actually up today, you know, actually one of the largest increases ever. So we'll see what happens if they continue their, their run on that side. But it's a perilous time. I mean, it's still obviously down, you know, 30% from the highs of February. So it's, it, it's, 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 it's bleeding right now. So it's not the best place to be if people are fleeing for safety. You know, even bonds are getting hit right now. You know, there isn't really a lot of safe investments. So if you look at esports, esports isn't the safest place to put your money. You know, it's a risky investment. That's why you see a lot of VCs and a lot of, you know, more uh, companies that invest with more risk. They're really to hedge with that and, uh, you know, coming to play there. You know, really coming to esports is not like one of the safer currencies or you know, betting on the broader market. So, you know, I think there's going to be uh, this year, if already, you know, I was saying in my top 10 uh, predictions for the year is 
you're going to see a lot of tier one teams. I don't let's say a lot, but I think you're going to say a few uh, tier one teams, definitely a few tier two teams drop off with the fact that esports has gotten so expensive. Uh, you're basically lost at least a half a year worth of time for tournaments and um, the investment market is going to be pretty dry right now. I think there's going to be challenging. So, you know, look out for some teams to definitely, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to weather the storm. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna trim some of the fat off the esports industry for sure. I missed today. Was not aware of the jump that happened today. It's up 11%. Dow Jones is up 11% plus 2,000. Yeah. What happened? What I missed? Uh, well, I think it's because of the um, the uh, the bill to uh, pass uh, recovery resolution and COVID resolution in terms of helping out the economy was going through. I think it's like a one point five trillion dollar bill. Yeah, I think that was actually going to pass. So I think it was basically optimism on that, and that there's like some finally some like some more news in terms of how the government is going to help out. So I think that that's, that's why, you know, you saw that big leap. I will see if it holds steady, you know, hopefully, I mean, every time you've seen that sort of jump, even this is the biggest jump ever, um, you know, you've seen it retreat back recently. So we'll see what happens. There's a, there's a long way to go to make up for what's been lost. Yeah. And generally volatility is bad. Even if it's, if the market's going up and then down and then up and then down, that still does not make investors secure in there and <laughs> giving out money. Yeah. yeah. The VIX in the, the volatility index is ridiculously high right now. So that doesn't make anyone safe. Uh, but, but we'll see. But yeah, to your point about Eastworth, it's not, uh, the safest bet. So I'll see, I mean, we'll see, you know, what teams are able to make it through. Yeah, the like you said, the biggest ones should be fine. The ones that haven't overextended into too many esports should be all right. I think 100 Thieves has done a pretty good job of this and just not falling into the trap of uh, going into every esport they could and staying to, to a couple uh, and then focusing on other pillars of their business as well. That's a pretty smart approach, but it'll be really interesting to see just how this knocks a variety of different esports organizations or teams or leagues out of the of the space a little bit it's definitely possible uh, i'm sorry you broke up with me what was that Mitch? oh i was just saying it's uh definitely possible to see some hits on the esports industry as a whole coming out of this even though it is a good time to be in esports from a content perspective so let's jump over to the positives there's enough negative news out there and we agree there are definitely negatives coming to esports. On the positive side of esports right now, we're really seeing a lot of athletes take to gaming. And I think this is an interesting trend worth exploring because it seems like every few days it's another athlete or another big uh, athlete trying to stream, streaming with an esports player. How do you see this overlap of gaming and sports developing throughout this crisis? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's awesome. It's great to see. I mean, for a long time, I mean, it's not like an industry secret, though, is that athletes are huge gamers. And they've been involved from a marketing perspective, you know, as long as, you know, for, for decades now. You know, I've worked at both, you know, EA, uh, Xbox, 
uh, Zynga, when we've done a lot of different promotions, you know, with different athletes, and, you know, they're huge gamers. So, you know, I think it's great to see. Um, I mean, they have to do something. And the fact that they're able to now, instead of just sit home and play games by themselves, is they're able to stream it to a wide audience. I think they love that. It's a way for them to connect with their fans. Uh, I'm a huge Miami Heat fan. Um, I There's a player called Myers Leonard who's on the team who's a huge Call of Duty fan. And uh, he's been playing a lot of Warzone. I've been watching him. And it's just fun to connect with your athlete and that you like or your team that you like in ways you won't know. And like, so there's that aspect. Uh, there's the aspect of the Suns, uh, you know, playing out the rest of their season, you know, on NBA 2K. There's a simulation that you talked about with the monumental sports franchises, you know, between the Capitals as well as the Wizards being. Uh, simulated and then broadcast on their local networks you know i think it's just fun to see a connection to your athletes and your teams in a different way so i i love it shout out to myers leonard was not expecting the name drop on the podcast but that's right give it yeah. up to myers as uh came from portland drafted the same year as damian lillard thought they were going to be a one-two punch He's- right not great although i love him i've rode for him for eight years and now he's on the heat is he playing well for you guys um he's not too bad he's not too bad i think he's definitely better at call of duty (laughs) 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 it's Uh, infuriating watching him because he's seven one and doesn't rebound but yeah i know it's infuriating sometimes but he drains that free though so yeah i know it's fun it's fun Uh, to watch you know our group chat of Portland fans is still the Myers Leonard fan club. Shout out to Myers. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You weren't expecting that, huh, Mitch? I was not expecting the Myers Leonard drop. I have been riding for nice. this man for like 10 years now. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. He came right, through in that final, that Western Conference game where he dropped like 30 points his last game as yeah. a pleasure. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was, beautiful. It was amazing. <laughs> well, we'll give him a shout out on Twitter afterwards and see if he uh, picks it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I ride for Myers. My friends could tell you. Uh, (laughs) But I think it's so cool seeing this overlap. And this overlap was always there. These athletes were always playing games. And now they're just doing it in a more public facing way. Some of them definitely were streaming. Myers had streamed. Uh, Gordon Hayward's been a notable League of Legends advocate for a while. Josh Hart. Definitely plays uh, some NFL players. I know Marshawn Lynch was ride rode for Call of Duty for a long time. Oh sure. But lately, it's like it's guys like Luka Doncic who are like reaching out or be like, "How do I set up a stream?" And Clayster <laughs> responds is like, "Oh, let's do this. Let's play together. Let's uh, let's." And it's just so cool to see these overlaps actually taking place. And I think yeah. it's something a relationship that stays in place even when sports resumes we see a lot more overlap between the young athletes and gaming as they're doing it in the public eye for the next few months, at least. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, a good example of that in terms of like the crossover between athletes and gaming and definitely musicians is phase clan. Right. So they're like a a team. It's not really an esports team. They're a content powerhouse that has, you know, huge musicians behind that, like Offset from Migos. Uh, and then you have, like, athletes like Juju on the team and who's invested in them and, like, who supports them. And, 
you know, I think FaZe Clan is just a huge example of like how you get crossover from athletes into gaming, musicians into gaming, celebrities into gaming. I mean, Drake made the investment into Hundred Thieves, but like he hasn't said one word about it you know, since he made the investment. Like you wish he would be it would be a little bit more vocal where they could do a little bit more crossover besides just taking the money, you know? Uh, but, you know, I really look at FaZe Clan as um, an organization that's done really well in terms of how much that they've been able to cross over between just famous celebrities, influencers, athletes, musicians, and they've just done a great job. Yeah, FaZe Clan is just genius-level business stuff. It's like they're going to be totally fine throughout this and they are so poised to succeed right now with all their um, like creators who have millions of followers are just going to see huge upticks in traffic and they don't really have to worry about the esports side as much it's like how many teams do they have they have a csgo team they are like part owners in atlanta 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 that was their big, their big team, right? But like outside of that, it, and they have their their Fortnite team, um, you know. But outside of that, it's really content. Yeah, you know, they're a content they're a content powerhouse. They just produce, you know, their videos just get millions of views, and uh, that's how you know they make their money. So I just give it up to them. You know, they, I just I, they, I just I'm a big fan of how they operate their business and how they're prepared there for the long run. Yeah, me too. I think they've really been very smart about how they've gone about it. And you see uh, places like 100 Thieves taking aspects of that, like focusing on a lot of content creators and bringing in people who aren't necessarily totally focused on esports competitions because that's one of the biggest growth points and one of the most consistent ways of bringing people in to your brand and still being successful and driving a lot of revenue as well. Yeah, I mean... I look at 100 Thieves as they're the supreme for esports. And I think that's what they want to be. And that's what they're edging towards. You know, you look at their last drop. I mean, the last drop for their clothing line wasn't that interesting, you know. Uh, but they were able to pull it off. And as expected, you know, like even I said, I said it's going to sell out like it usually does. And it sold out in less than 25 minutes. And that's like at least a half a million dollars with the merch and they just sell on a random Saturday. So, you know, they're wanted, they know what they want to do with, from an apparel perspective, like as phase has content down, I think hundred thieves has apparel and merchandising down. Yeah, that's definitely their strong suit for sure. When people were, were shitting all over the 100 thieves and they saw the sweatshirt come out, I was like, you guys don't get how this works. <laughs> Supreme's right. logo is just a red box that says Supreme in it. Right. Right, and those t-shirts are worth $500. Yeah, (laughs) it's the brand. And 100 Thieves is doing this and creating all these different things, this pretty base-level design, and it's going to sell. And that's all they care about. And it's always good to have more accessible versions of high-end content. So that was like, I think it was priced a little bit lower than some of their other drops as well. And it's your your baseline, 100 Thieves. And then yeah, you can completely. get like this, the more rare, the more expensive, more uh, complicated designs in other hundred thieves drops. It's it's classic like streetwear stuff. And, and so I was, just, yeah. I was like, come on, you guys don't get that. It's just it's strategy. There's there's a lot of strategy yeah. in this. They didn't just release bad clothing. 
Yeah, completely. I mean, it's Streetwear 101. And, like, they've also planned their entire drops the entire year going forward. So, like, this is not, like, kids play. You know, they're just not making this up on the fly. Like, this is a whole coordinated strategy of, like, building up their brand and what they want to do. And the fact that they're able to, you know, literally put just a hundred on a sweatshirt and a hat, which is their brand, and sell it is like that's huge, you know. So I give them a lot of credit for for what they've built up, and I give Nature a lot of credit for what they built up in the organization. And you know, I mean, I uh, back in my MLG days, you know, I saw. Nisha, right when he came up after working at McDonald's and seeing what he's built up now, like I give that that guy a lot of credit. Like it's pretty amazing. So, um, you know, shout out Hundred to you, shout out Nate Shot, and all you guys, and uh, you guys are doing killing it. Yeah, we're just gonna shout out everybody. Uh, Nate Shot, you listen to this? Send me merch. Appreciate you defending you <laughs> nice. out there. Getting oh. out that plug. Yeah, gotta get the plugs. Gotta get the plugs everywhere you can. You know, you gotta do it. Right, you gotta do it. All right, Manny, I want to wrap up a little bit. Uh, we're at 40 minutes here. It's been a great conversation. But the thing I want to end on is who are the winners out of this? And so I've got a couple, and I can do mine first if you want to think on it for a second. Uh, but I'm curious who you think when this all passes, be it in three months, be it in six months, be it in a year, who comes out and we're like, damn, they killed it? Ooh, wow. Uh, okay, you go first. Okay. Uh, I'll give you an idea of where, where my head's at with this one. Number one, sports okay. on linear or esports on linear television. This okay. is going to be a crucial moment for which esports can succeed on linear TV. And it's not Overwatch. It's probably not even League of Legends, to be completely honest with people. You need to have something that's accessible, like NASCAR has proven. You need to have something with some celebrity influence. So it's going to be these games that operate in that gray area. I think FIFA is a prime candidate for being something very successful. I think fighting games are likely. I think Rocket League is a good one that will translate well. And I think we see a change of attitude, especially in sports shows, because places like Coward, uh, Sports Center, Jim Rome, whatever, uh, whatever sports radio, sports TV is talking about, First Take, they're going to have to start covering gaming. And they're going to recognize that a lot of athletes are as well. And I think it's a key pivot point of, okay, we've moved past esports to be like, oh, that video game thing, which we're already moving towards. And now it's reached general acceptance in the sports world and a lot more overlap. So sports on linear television, both on talk shows and on broadcast. That's my, my big winner. Okay. You know, I would have to second that, you know, like not to jump on your prediction, but I would definitely second that. I think that's a great, great prophecy that you're saying right there. I mean, how can you not like, there's just so much, there's a dearth of content out there. You need to fill it with something. So hopefully this will be a chance for resources to fill it. So what I would say, not because I'm not going to pick the same one as you are, is I think this is going to see a huge increase in just gaming overall like i think you know like people who are seeing their increase in gameplay are are, hardcore gamers are already there they're gonna stick with it but you're still gonna see a new class of gamers come in with people 
playing on PC, people playing on mobile only. Um, you know, PUBG, like on mobile, has a ridiculous amount of following in Asia. Um, I think COVID's going to change the way, uh, you know, people have been playing games. And so I think gaming is going to see a huge resurgence in, in multiple different areas. So that's what I'm going to put my poker chip on. Great point. And to add on to that, you're going to see a lot of people who didn't used to play games or played games when they were a kid or haven't really touched it start gaming now and probably not put it down when sports comes back. It's not that hard to quit once you start again. And the reason for that is because these are the only competitive outlet people have while in quarantine. Generally, the life of a sports fan is playing sports throughout youth and high school and then usually stopping and turn getting that competitive outlet from watching sports and fandom and doing that. Well, Esports are going to become that outlet just like they have for so many people in our generation who love sports and want to compete in things in their free time. Esports are what they choose to do. And that's going to happen for people who are sitting at home and are like, I guess I'll pick up NBA 2K or I guess I'll pick up Madden. And maybe that leads to people actually gaming, buying Nintendo Switches, buying new PlayStations, Xboxes, and then sticking with them because it's hard to quit gaming once you once you've picked it up. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Like, I think it's going to see a resurgence in, like, and outside of the resurgence in, like, between different areas is going to be the new gamer that's going to come in. And, you know, you're seeing, like, now, like, a lot of Nintendo products, like, being out of stock. So I think you're going to get that casual audience come in and, you know, really buy up a whole new product. And, you know, we'll see what happens when they, when they enter the market. But it's going to be, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of changes going to be happening. So we... Knock on wood, emerge from everything. Hopefully, all of us unscathed. Um, we'll see what happens. Definitely, definitely. My girlfriend and I are fighting over the switch every night. It feels like <laughs> that's awesome. It's my turn. It's my turn. We tried to get the two person games. It's like no, we just want to play Breath. Have of you been out. playing Animal Crossing? No, we're not. We haven't got it yet. Uh, we know oh, that we need a second switch. It. Because it would just be brutal. So we've actually been both. I only got it a few weeks ago in preparation for this, and knew that uh, right. in Breath of the Wild is the game I really wanted to play. So we've been trading off our uh, our accounts on Breath of the Wild. Oh, nice! It's a fantastic game. It is. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, second winner, content creators. I they are going to see first of all an amazing uptick in traffic right now, but also an awesome opportunity for partnering with other celebrities. So gaming celebs, very few have actually crossed into mainstream celebrity. I, I honestly think Ninja in the US is the only one. You've got people like Faker. And if, you know, Asia is a whole different case study because those stars are massive over there. Uh, but in the Western world, very few gamers have crossed into like mainstream celebrity. It's basically Ninja. And maybe Tifu, probably not, honestly. Uh, this is going to be a huge moment and it's going to create some huge names in the gaming world, either in the streams or people who are playing with athletes, people who come to watch Luca, but instead watch Clayster because he's so good at Call of Duty or some sort of overlap there. I think being a streamer right now, suddenly all these other celebrities in music, film and sports want to come to your domain. And you're like, absolutely, I'll, I'll carry you wherever you want to go. And so I think we see really big 
gaming celebrities come out of this because we need people to attach to and the best gamers are the people who are going to shine above everybody else. Yeah, no, I'll actually go in the opposite direction on, on this one is where I'll say that what we're also going to see is a huge demand for non-gaming content. So that's like operas and museum tours and like workouts and aquariums and like zoos and like stuff like that where it's just going to be random content or like cooking or like watch me eat like they do in South Korea, things like that, where it's going to be a lot of like IRL content, chat, different things where people are just going to want to stay connected. So I think there's going to be a lot of non-gaming content that comes out that's going to be broadcast on Twitch. My theory or my guess is that uh, you'll see a huge increase and hours watch for non-gaming content on Twitch, you know, over all of this. Good point. Good point. Just chatting, added to the winners list. Gonna be a huge section. It already is one of the bigger sections on Twitch regularly. Yeah. And you're right, especially as people are desperate for social uh, content, even people just talking to their stream, like that's almost as close as we can get to consistent social interaction. Great point. Chalk just chatting up in the wind column for Manny. Nice. All right. I want to do one more winner, and it's pick an eSport. Which eSport comes out of this and is in the best position afterwards or sees the biggest gains through it? And I'll let you go first on this one because I've taken first on the last few. Sure. I mean, I think this one's a no-brainer, but I think that um, all the all the racing sims mm-hmm. see a huge benefit from this. Um, we talked about NASCAR and the huge ratings that they got. What the, what we didn't talk about is Formula One, and Formula One moved their circuit to virtual as well. And the Bahrain uh, event took place, and it got something like three hundred fifty thousand peak, and something like over two hundred thousand average viewers. So, you know, that's pretty amazing. And that had to do with other drivers also simulcasting that as well. But that's the whole point is, you know, you, my point earlier about driving engagement is get the drivers to simulcast as well, along with your stream, and that just increases the overall audience. So I think I think all the racing guys are going to see a huge increase coming out of this. Absolutely agree. Yeah, Formula One, totally bonkers. That Sunday, uh, last Sunday, March 22nd, was a record-breaking day for Twitch, and I believe the Formula One race was the most watched event that day of 43 million hours watched uh formula one i think had the highest uh peak concurrent of of the day i'm not a hundred percent but i'm pretty sure 350k is a lot of viewers tough for anything else to touch that yeah no that's a lot for peak you know so um it did it did very very well so yeah that's my that's my my bet on those guys I've got Rocket League as my game. It's been poised for a while to break out nicely. And I could definitely see, I know E-League has broadcasted that. Turner is scrambling right now. I've talked to some people there. They're in trouble because they own a lot of the rights to March Madness. And that's millions upon millions of hours. Like, you can't right. understate how important March Madness is. That full weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is right, basically right. 
like half the TVs in America are tuned into this at some point, and a lot of them are just focused on it constantly throughout. They don't have that. So what do they do? E-League seems right. like a decent revival, and they're still talking about it. I mean, E-League is an in-studio broadcast, so you can't necessarily do it the same way, but you know Turner is receptive to esports content, and I think Rocket League is a game they embrace in this absence, and it really works well for linear TV. I think it's yeah. the mainstay esport that is the most understandable to sports fans, and it's not a sports simulation. So the, the racing games are very unique, to your point, because they work really well, and they feel like the actual event. Madden, NBA, NHL don't really feel like the physical sport when you watch them. There's just too much difference. The racing game does because you're in these cars, and you're insulated from other humans, and it's way easier to make a car's motion feel the same in a video game as it looks in real life. It's not easy to do for human bodies. That's the biggest yeah, thing in sports sims. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's, that's for sure. I, I just think, you know, with sports sims, the other big challenge is, you know, is drawing what I call the hardcore viewer from esports back into watching sports sims. Because like, you're going to draw the casual audience, and I think that's a no-brainer, but like, how are you going to draw the hardcore Counter-Strike fan, the hardcore League of Legends fan? So I think that's where sports sims have a disadvantage as well, is like playing to the general gaming audience, because they get a lot of they get a lot of crap on just for being, you know, just a, not a quote-unquote true esport, you know? Yeah, I don't think they've properly figured out where they want to position themselves. They do get that casual fan, but at the same time, a lot of casual fans laugh because I think somebody, it was an NBA player tweeted a few days ago, said nobody streams NBA 2K because it's a trash game. Oh, it's a trash game. I saw that. It's that's brutal. Right. Like this is your chance to bring in NBA players and fully embrace the NBA 2K league and they're tweeting out that it's a trash game, that's yeah, not I mean, good. It is not good. Also, I think the 2K League missed a big opportunity for being broadcast right now. I mean, they should they should just play that, do that just like everyone else. I mean, they don't have to worry about, you know, it's five-on-five five basketball. There's not, like, a huge amount of input going on. Like, there's not a massive map to deal with. So, like, the lag situation and everything else isn't really coming to play that much and and broadcast that stuff on local regional sports networks that are striving for content right now because like outside of the major people look at like the regional sports networks that play like yeah. college baseball and everything else that it, you know like that doesn't get aired out outside of those channels and so i think that would have been a good opportunity so that's a missed opportunity i think for the nba 2k league and i wish they would come back in sooner we could do an entire podcast on all the opportunities the NBA 2K has. <laughs> they don't let the 2K teams partner with the actual teams. Like, they're very... Yeah, it's pretty ridic- ridiculous. Yeah, they make a concerted effort to make sure the 2K brand is separate from the team brand. And that's dumb. Because your 2K yeah. brand is not going to become self-sustaining. You need... 
those crossovers to make it work in any sort of sort of meaningful way. And so it's the other leagues are better about this. Uh, MLS teams definitely embrace EMLS. And I think right. FIFA is actually a possible winner in this too, because I think FIFA works as, as far as esports go. Uh, oh, completely. But, that league guys saw some decent viewership this is the weekend. Yeah, they, they did. And, you know, FIFA's, first of all, soccer is just a bigger sport than any of the other sports. And FIFA is, I think, the most played game worldwide. Is that true? I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's actually yeah. massive, though. Yeah, it's just bonkers big of a, of a sport, of an esport. And, you know, FIFA, the fluidity of it works. I think NHL and FIFA both work better because they're fluid, uh, more fluid than NBA 2K and Madden. Right. But yeah, the sports sims are, it's going to be interesting to see how they come out of this because theoretically they're in a great spot. But I don't know if that actually plays out that way. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think FIFA, to your point, I mean, after racing, I think FIFA, I would bet some money on in terms of broadcast dollars that they could pull in. Rocket League, I really like. I mean, I really like Rocket League. I mean, their digital viewership has just continually gone up. And, like, I just think there's a solid foundation there. And I'm a big fan of what they're doing and what the developers are doing on that side over there. Absolutely agree. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows I love Rocket League, and I also love Myers Leonard. Shout out to Myers. <laughs> Shout out, Myers. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Thank you for joining, Manny. It was great talking to you. Uh, plug whatever you've got working on. Any articles that just came out or are coming out soon? Uh, where else can they find you, follow you, whatever? Um, no, all good. I mean, Twitter is the best spot. Manny Article, M-A-N-N-Y. N-E-K-A-L, um, and that's where I do uh, most of my spewing. So if you want to just chat esports or the business side of things, you know, come follow me on Twitter. He's a great follow. He always has very interesting stats come out. He's been tracking sports on linear television for a long time, and I'll be following his account closely as more and more events uh, happen in that vein. So, yeah, definitely follow him on Twitter. I'll link it down in the description uh, and check out everything else he works on. Great guy. Awesome. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you so much, Manny. This was the Esports Network podcast. I've got another show coming up for you later this week uh, about social distancing and gaming socialization, how it can provide a crucial social outlet for people who are quarantined or isolated during COVID-19. So thank you all for listening. Be on the lookout for that one coming out on Friday.